hot off the presses, and boy, do we ever mean hot, it's time for another Broadway Bulletin. We are so happy that you were able to join us today, and come on in from all that heat out there. Just join us for a while to catch up on everything that's going on around the theater, and just cool down for a minute. This week on Broadway, Camelot, Life of Pi, and Peter Pan Goes Wrong will all close on July 23rd. So we wish happy, happy trails to all the company members that are a part of all of those fabulous shows. We welcome on a Broadway, though, Here Lies Love, which opens officially on July 20th. And I'm very excited about seeing this incredible I have heard new production. N- yeah, I have heard nothing but great things about what they've done with the space in the Broadway. Yeah. And so I'm very excited to see that show. It's going to be great. This day in Broadway history, title of show, opened on Broadway in 2008. James Cagney was born on this day in 1899. So moving on to theater community news, Eva Novazella has set her final performance in the Tony Award-winning musical Town for August 13th. Novazella was, or is, an original company member and was nominated for her performance as Eurydice. It's so sad to see her go. It's hard to imagine the show without her, but, I mean, it's been, what, four years that she's been with the production? I think it's... It's okay for her to move on. <laughs> right. She was. She's amazing in that role, though. She really is. And I can't wait to see what she does next, because I know that she's going to do incredible things. Bobby Cannavale, Michaela Diamond, Amber Gray, Dennis O'Hare, and more will star in the world premiere of Stephen Sondheim's final musical, Here We Are. Joe Mantella will direct this limited engagement at Off-Broadway's The Shed, which is in Hudson Yards. The limited 15-week engagement will begin previews on September 28th before officially opening on October 22nd. The public theater has laid off 19% of staff, citing rising costs and falling revenue. This is just another example of regional and nonprofit theater struggling to come back from the pandemic. It's so sad to hear... Such an established institution like the public having to let go of so many people. Hopefully, 2023 and 2024 as we head to the fall, we'll start to curb that. And we'll start to see regional and nonprofit theaters really start to turn that corner and hopefully start making some profit, coming back, showing life. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. We, we want these theaters to thrive, you know. Speaking of thriving... SAG-AFTRA has joined the WGA strike as negotiations with the AMPTP have failed. And we just want to say that we here at Stage Whisper stand strong with all members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, as well as with IATSE, Actors' Equity, and all other unions representing performing artists and artists in general. The amount of work, skill, and time demanded of artists is at such a high, only met equally by the vast amount of created work and artistry by these very, very incredible people. And yet these same artists find themselves on the picket line demanding basic, fair terms, fair pay, and fair conditions. The time of the struggling artist has come and gone, and it is all of our responsibility to support these humanities that we all not only love so much, but consume as well. We stand 
with all of our fellow union members in demanding the respect and fairness that is owed to all of us. If you would like to help any artist during this time, you can do so by donating to the Entertainment Community Fund. A lot of people will recognize this as the red buckets that a lot of Broadway theaters, or all Broadway theaters do twice a year to help raise funds. This is the Broadway Cares Equity Fights Aid Foundation that is one of the largest supporters of the Entertainment Community Fund. And that Entertainment Community Fund goes to help artists in every field in entertainment to help provide housing, food, uh, healthcare services, whatever they be needed, whenever the need arises. You know, most recently, of course, they did a huge help during the COVID-19 pandemic, but now they're stepping up with this new strike that's happening. Yeah, they're helping artists provide, you know, funds to be able to maintain their housing, maintain their food. Which is a really important considering when they leaked the negotiation comment from one of the studio executives about, we'll essentially starve them out. By the fall, they won't be able to pay for their mortgages and that, and they'll be forced to come to the table and get a bum deal, essentially. This just shows the incredible work that something like the Entertainment Community Fund can do because it helps make it so that that's not really the case. That's not an option because everyone deserves a fair deal, not a deal they're forced into. New York, New York, the musicals ensemble received Actors' Equity Association's Outstanding Broadway Chorus Award, and that is very well-deserved. What an incredible ensemble. What an incredible chorus and just a beautiful show. I loved it. Jordan E. Cooper, Ty Defoe, Jason Tam, and more joined the Tony Awards Nominating Committee. 25 theater artists have joined the committee for the 2023-2024 Tony Awards season. They will join other returning members for the upcoming season. The group will collectively decide on nominees for the 77th Annual Tony Awards in 2024 after seeing all of the season's plays and musicals. Nominations are then voted on by a larger group of Tony voters, comprising of union representatives and other industry professionals. And this is a really big headline because if you look at not only the the main names on that headline, but if you look into the other 25 members, it is incredibly diverse. We are seeing great representation within the nominating committee. And that... Like I said, I really think we're seeing a great step in the right direction from the American Theater Wing in that commitment to diversity and inclusion. So I hope it only continues to go that way. Let's make sure that our words and actions work in concert. In some tour news, Rob McClure will reprise his Tony-nominated performance as Euphigenia Doubtfire in Mrs. Doubtfire, the national tour. And I got to tell you, if you're anywhere where that tour is going to, you will want to see us because Rob McClure is phenomenal in this show. Fun fact, his real-life wife will be playing his wife in the musical on tour. Yes, yes. So I, it's, it's a, it, look, and it really is a fun show. It's a great show. I wish it had been around longer on Broadway because when they reopened, they, they figured it out. It was fabulous. But Rob McClure... Did Robin Williams proud, so you will want to see it. Some show chatter. The West End production of Cabaret is officially coming to Broadway in the spring of 2024. Casting for the Broadway run has not yet been announced. But we do know the theater. It's the August Wilson Theater. So, welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. I am so excited about this. 
ever since I saw the clips from the Olivier Awards and just everything that's followed with, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really hope that this immersive cabaret comes to Broadway. So I can't wait. So now let's talk about some shows that we've seen. And really, there's only one show I want to talk about. You know, I, let's be real. It's, it is... Uh, Listen, I have the perfect way to segue into this. Where we're about to go, we don't need Rose. Stop it. <laughs> it is our first Stage Whisper creator's pick of the Broadway season. And with good measure, it is Back to the Future. Now listen, I know, some of you out there might be like, oh, this is a little bit nepotism and bias because Hope is the assistant department head over at Back to the Future. But I gotta tell you... For wigs and makeup Yes, and for hair. wigs and makeup and hair. But I gotta tell you, that has nothing to do with it. The fact is that this show is incredible. If you loved the film... If you're a fan of the film, and let's be real, what person from the 80s is not, <laughs> you're going to love this musical. It's very cinematic, not only in the visual aspect of it, but it's got beautiful underscoring. The story is brilliant. The parts that could have been troublesome translating from you know 1985 to now, they did a really good job of addressing. And the way that they alter the story just a little bit so that it's a new musical is brilliant. You've still got all your favorite classic moments in there that you all expect. And what I loved in watching this show was I haven't heard a response from an audience like this since like we saw Six. And you had all these like teenage girls and whatnot really getting into it. And it was like a concert, right? But all the people that were like freaking out and having their heyday and really going nuts about stuff were like my age, you know, 35, 40, 50 year old people that were like, yeah, you know, and I was like, yeah, sorry, kids, you need to come and see what mom and dad grew up with, but we're going to just have a little happy moment living back in the past for a minute. And then, you know, the lead, Casey Likes, likes who plays Marty McFly, sounds just like Michael J. Fox. It's uncanny. Roger Bart is a genius. I mean, he's not exactly like Christopher Lloyd, but he... He, you know, he gets to make that character his own, but he still embodies that character of Doctor Emmett 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 Scott Emmett Brown Emmett Brown. I keep that's where it is. I'm like Scott, great Scott Emmett Brown. He still embodies that with all the mannerisms, but it's still like it's his own character, and it's incredible. There's great one-liners in there. Just I can see the show over and over. It was such a sweet to the show, and if you go for no other reason, you have to see what they do with the car because i have never never seen anything like this when they what they did with the car especially at the end i was like okay yeah we've seen this before okay wait what do you wait what 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 you know i'm like that meme of the guy that's like clapping and his face just gets more and more like shocked and amazed that was me and it was so cool it it is the most visually stunning musical I've ever seen on Broadway. So run, don't walk to get your tickets and see Back to the Future, the musical. It is worth the hype. One of the things that I've enjoyed seeing is on my way into work, there are people lined up early to either try to get tickets or to get into the theater. And there are people dressed up. Yes. And it is amazing. With the and red vest. And, oh. Not even, they're not even just dressed up as like Marty or Doc. You have the clock tower woman. Yes. You have, 
You have everyone. You have everyone cosplayed at this at this party. It's yeah, it's so much fun. And the other thing I don't know if I mentioned to you is when I showed up to go, you know, get in, go into the theater. The show was at eight. We showed up at the theater about seven forty, maybe seven forty-five. Doors open at seven thirty, a half hour before. We had to walk all the way around the block, basically to the stage door was where the line was at. And then to go in. The line for the Music Man was never that long to get in. Now, I'm not saying the Music Man didn't sell out, you know, that also had crowds. But I'm just saying, like, the line, it, it seems or appears to be longer. And it's incredible. You can believe the hype on this one. So that's our 15-minute segment. And I'm sorry, really. If you don't like the show, come back. You, you come talk to me. We'll hash it out. But get your tickets for Back to the Future, guys. It's so cool. I think now that's the only other thing that's left to do is, hey, everybody, we are approaching. We're midsummer right now. We really could use your help. Stage Whisper is in need of new patrons and new producers. We've got several needs that we need to get going. We need some new equipment. We are in desperate need of hiring some new staff to help with the influx of interviews and show attendance and other events that we're needing to do. We want to continue to bring you the highest quality that you've come to expect of coverage and information, but it all depends on what we're able to get from our amazing listeners and fans out there. In a world where we are seeing so many different organizations in the arts start to rally together against larger production companies, we really value your help in helping us get small artists the site and the, the... Give them the platform to amplify their voices. We want to stay independent. We are the number one podcast for independent artists we want to stay that way we want to bring you unbiased material and opinions we don't want to be one of those shows that stock up on a million commercials and ads that have nothing to do with what we're doing no we want to stay independent and just for you a conversation between you and us and so the best way to do it it's like any independent public thing you know like pbs or like your community radio station we have to be listener supported so to meet the need of what we now need we do need some more support so if you are in a position to please head over to patreon.com slash stage whisper pod pick up a backstage pass or just make a donation into our tip jar head over to venmo and you can find us at stage Stage whisper pod and you can send us money directly from there Our website should be going live this week. I know we keep saying that, but truly, I'm heading down to the bunker this week to make sure that it comes out, and there's going to be great things there. You'll be able to click on there, make a donation via there, as well as you'll be able to check out all the amazing other things we have. We also have merch. You can purchase merch. Click on our link in our Instagram. Check out the amazing merch designed by the fabulous Hope Bird. They look amazing. I'm going to get one in every color and every design. So, yeah, you know... Give us a shout out by wearing one of our shirts. It's amazing. But needless to say, no matter what the outcome, we are so grateful for all of you out there tuning in, listening. You've been amazing. It's been great interacting with you. Please keep that going. We want to continue to grow this community, and we can't do community without you. So thank you all out there. Thank you to our current patrons. You all are incredible. And we've got an incredible 
season ahead of us as we start to transition into the fall, including a trip to the UK and some great new shows on Broadway, off-Broadway. I mean, there's just great things coming. And I'm so happy we get to share that with all of these people. And speaking of festivals and sharing things with people, we have got a great whisper in the wings in store for you right now. Joining us to kind of kick off some early coverage of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which starts later in August, we have the playwright and performer Alistair Hall coming on all the way from London to talk about his new show, Declan. This is just the first of several Edinburgh Fringe Festival shows that will be making an appearance on our show in the coming weeks. But we hope you enjoy this great show and this great interview with playwright and performer Alistair Hall. Welcome in, listeners, to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. And we are now gearing up for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And we have a wonderful guest to get us ready to head overseas for that. In fact, we are crossing the Atlantic Ocean today to join our guest, which is playwright and performer Alistair Hall, whose show Declan is playing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival the 15th through the 27th of August at Underbelly Cowgate, Belly Laugh at 2.35 p.m. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting underbellyedinburgh.co.uk. And we are so excited to be having another show from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival on our program and bringing it to you as we head into this great festival. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, Alistair. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here to kind of kick off our our, our run into the, the festival, but more importantly, because you've got this great show, Declan, which is playing there. And I was reading the short synopsis about it, and I was like, oh, this sounds so good. And <laughs> as it's put at the, you know, kind of the leading into on the press release, it's a haunting queer thriller, which, you know, that's even more of a sell for me. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what Declan is and is about? Of course. Well, it is a queer thriller. It's set in rural England. The timeline is the late 90s through to the early noughties. So this is the time where there was a legislation called Section 28, which was still being practiced at schools, which banned promotion of homosexuality. Teachers wouldn't really talk about it. And in smaller towns, like the one I grew up in, there was just a lot of homophobia. So that's sort of what sets the backdrop of what of, of where of, of Declan. The play actually, on the service level, it's a very simple story. It's about a very fragile outsider called Jimbo, who's a quiet, quite strange man. He keeps himself to himself. And he has a best friend called Declan, who he adores, and they share a really beautiful, intimate connection. And then Declan goes missing. And this is where the play picks up. Jimbo is trying to find Declan. And along the way, he reveals what their friendship was like, the things they did together, why it was so intimate and why Declan was so important to him. And then slowly we we begin to find out that Jimbo has been living a life of total neglect and abuse. So it is a thriller. It is very dark, but it's very truthful in the themes that sort of it presents to the audience. I love that. Ooh, I'm hooked. I want to know more. So how did you come up with the idea for the show? 
I always worry this sounds really pretentious when I say it, but it really was an accident. I have a slightly more unconventional route into acting, something I started about five years ago. So drama school was is still quite recent for me. I graduated just before lockdown. And whilst I was at drama school, I was doing like an improvisation class and I started to come up with a character and a situation that would become the basis for Declan. But it wasn't a plan. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write a play about the West Country of the UK in a certain time period and it'll be a thriller. It all really happened by accident, but it was all led by coming up with the character in an improv class, which I think is something I'm really proud of because it is a piece of text, but it really began as a, as a character coming to life in, a, in, a, in an acting class. That's amazing. And that kind of leads me to my next question, which is what has it been like developing the show Declan? Well, as I said, it started at drama school and I went to the, I went to RADA, which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art here in London. And the acting course I did was the acting MA, which is half actor training, half theatre making. So we were encouraged to create our own work anyway. So what happened was I ended up presenting a 15 minute, very early version of Declan as an exam piece. And Rada really loved it. And it was booked uh, to be performed at a theatre festival in London, God, back in 2019. So that was the beginning of developing it. So it's been a real joy because it's gone from that to an online piece during lockdown, which did very well. We really sort of found our first audiences. And then last year, I presented it live as a fully formed piece of theatre for the first time in London. And then we're going to Edinburgh. (laughs) So, you know, Declan is a short piece. It's a 45 minute thriller, but it's been something that I've been working on to get right over the past few years. So it's it's been amazing to develop. That's amazing. Now, is there a message or a thought you're hoping that the audience that sees this will take away? Yeah, and it sort of taps into what's happening now for queer and trans communities across the world. Here in the UK with our government trying to push push bills and laws that feel anti-queer community and stateside too, it feels like the same, it feels like a response to that. You know, I want to make work that is about the queer experience that is truthful. And Declan is a fictional piece of work. It's a fictional character but it is inspired by some of my own experiences growing up as a queer kid in a small town in rural England. But sadly, you know, those experiences are still being echoed now. And I really hope that Declan as a piece of work speaks to that and is in its own way, a protest against that. I love that. And I think that makes this piece even more important. Well, my final question for this first part is who do you hope have access to Declan? For me, I think it's a it's important important that everyone can come and see it. I've mentioned these themes based around the the queer experience, but, you know, I want, I think as a story, as a piece of theatre, I hope that it can sort of reach everyone. Ultimately, this is a play that is about the human experience, whether you're queer or not. And it's about so many things, mental health, first love, identity, striving for identity, and trying to escape surroundings that don't work for us. And I think that theme is universal. So I hope that access in Edinburgh will will stretch, basically. (laughs) 
Well, changing things up for the second part, we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more on a personal level. And I want to start by asking you, what or who inspires you? I think Alice Birch is a favorite of mine who's written television. She's written on normal people and has written films like Lady Macbeth. But in terms of theater, she wrote an amazing play called Anatomy of a Suicide in 2016 or 17. As I said, I had I had a slightly unconventional route into acting. And this is one of the first plays I actually saw as an adult in theater. So not so long ago, but I remember being so moved by it. And I still think about it now. It's even giving me shivers now. It's a play that follows three women across three different timelines, the, the 70s, the 90s, and the future. And it's about inherited mental health problems. But it's a beautiful play. And the set design was incredible. And the sound design was amazing. It was directed by Katie Mitchell, who was another hero of mine, a a theatre director here in the UK who works internationally. But I remember seeing it and feeling like, oh, this speaks to me. This affects me. And I feel like this is theatre. And experiencing a play that is heavy and the silence that that can put on an audience So long after the lights have come up and everyone's leaving the theatre, everyone was quiet because of what happened on stage. And I remember feeling quite inspired by by that power. So Alice Birch is one. She wrote that play. And then, my gosh, writers like Dennis Kelly, who another playwright and then TV writer. And I was I'm an actor, obviously, and I've just worked with a brilliant playwright called Mojasola Adebayo, who's written plays. One of them is called Family Tree, which I was just in. And I really love the poetic kind of mythical but political and truthful way she writes. Oh, what a wonderful list. I'm going to have to check out these wonderful artists now, especially that that you're describing. That sounded amazing. Have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Well, yeah, there's a play I just saw by an American playwright, actually, called Dave Harris. It's called Tambo and Bones. I think it was on in New York last year. Yeah, Playwrights Horizon. Yep. And we just had it here and it was incredible. (laughs) I'm lucky enough to know the director, Matthew Zia, and I was just, I still think about it now, was blown away. So I'm hoping that that's going to have a future life somewhere else in the world. But if you can't see it, read the text. It's a really important piece of work. Yes, but I loved, I loved it. I felt very moved by it. And the, the, the repetitive line towards the end, I am a real person. I am a real person. I still think about that at night. So, yeah. I'm so, I didn't have no idea that it was over there. So that's amazing. Yeah, it was produced here by a company called Actors Touring Company, who are incredible. I've worked with them and they produce a lot of political work. A director called Matthew Zia is their artistic director. And he really pushes the sort of the envelope of work that is, contemporary and political and yeah delivering a message so that's very cool well what is your favorite part about working in the theater you know we just did our previews of Declan here in London at the weekend so literally just Friday and Saturday night just gone and I'm self-producing the show right so so far it's been a lot of admin so I was sort of sinking under the weight of that so to get up on Friday and Saturday night and perform this piece I was reminded of that connection between the actor and the audience and how beautiful that that is as an exchange. And that's why I love it. When you feel the mood shift and when you are working hard as an actor for your audience, and I don't mean pushing or trying to sort of gain a response, 
but as an actor being in the work and being in the mood of the piece and being in my objectives and intentions scene to scene and hearing the shift in the room within the audience that for me is very powerful you just don't have that in real life so when you have it in a room that's dark and has lighting and has sound it's total escapism so that's why I love to perform and then to sort of hear my audience not even if it's a breath or if you hear someone shifting in their seat or if you hear a laugh that you're not expecting or you can hear people being emotional even if they're quiet that for me is the magic of it and you just don't have that in real life always so that's what I love about theatre I love that answer absolutely love that answer and you know just to go back to Declan so as I was saying about the experience with the audience at the weekend I did Declan online originally during lockdown and it was me performing it to a static camera with no audience in the room (laughs) and it was horrible. (laughs) But so now to be able to do it with audiences, it's a piece of theatre that needs an audience. So that's, that was a great, a great joy basically to have it, to find its audience. I love that. Well, we've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests and that is what is your favorite theatre memory? Okay, so about eight years ago, I went to see a play called The Pride and I was desperate to be an actor, but I was at a very dark place in my life and I didn't have the vocabulary to tell my friends or family that I wanted to act. I was very down and very lost. And I remember going to see this play in a beautiful theatre in the West End, Trafalgar Studios. And... I knew then watching that play, I, I need to do this. I need to follow this because the acting I saw on stage, Hayley Atwell was in it. It was so exquisite and beautiful and the set design was incredible. And I just loved being in that space. And the play was really moving. Alexi K. Campbell's the writer. And it changed my life that moment because from then on, I then began to sort of move towards a much lighter, positive part of my life. And... And that, seeing that play in that moment, I was like, I want to act and I'm going to go for it. And it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. And so that's a real moment for me. Wow. Oh, I love that. We love a great origin story. And so that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I and this show sounds amazing. You said it was The Pride? Pride, yeah. It's a great play. I'm, not sh- I'm sure it would have been on in Broadway, I'm sure. I'm going to have to look into that now, but... What a wonderful memory. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it was a good night. (laughs) Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I have to be honest, I've just finished a five-month tour of a production by the company I was just talking about, Actors Touring Company. It was a play called Family Tree, all about Henrietta Lacks, an African-American woman in the 1950s. If you don't know about her, go and Google her now. The play was about her and we and we and it was about race and the climate and the environment. Beautiful play, very heavy, but important. And we toured it all over the UK from February until June. So I have just come off of that and I'm coming straight into preparations for Declan and Edinburgh. So my focus at the moment is literally just Edinburgh, 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 Edinburgh. And hopefully something else will happen. I mean, the goal would be to tour my show Declan after we've done Edinburgh next year so fingers crossed that happens yes we've put it in the universe so now it has to happen right make that happen (laughs) i'm on it i'm on it (laughs) (laughs) well finally if our listeners would like more information about 
Declan, or about you, perhaps you'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? I mean, if you want to reach out to me, you can do it on my socials, Alistair Hall, yes, on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to hear from people if they're coming to see it, what they think of it. It's really important for me as a sort of new theatre maker to sort of reach people and, and find an audience and hear what they think if they come to see Declan. And the Underbelly, the venue, Underbelly, where I'm performing Declan, they have a website and you can read all about the show on that. Perfect. Well, Alistair, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us here and sharing this incredible show. It sounds amazing. I look forward to getting to see it soon. So thank you so much for your time and just sharing everything. This has been great. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. My guest today has been Alistair Hall, the playwright and performer of the new show Declan, which is playing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival the 15th of August through the 27th of August at Underbelly Cowgate, Belly Laugh at 2.35 p.m. Tickets and more information are available at underbellyedinburgh.co.uk. And you can always get more information or reach out to Alistair on his social media at Alistair Hall. Yes. And this is an artist. If you're not following, you definitely want to follow. There are some really great things ahead for him. But in the meantime, if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival or near it, get up there. Buy your tickets now for Declan. This is a great, great show that you're not going to want to miss. It's a wonderful haunting queer thriller. If you see it, we want to know all about it. I mean, we're hooked. We want to know how the show ends. We have to know what happened to Declan. We're already, you know, on bated breath. But check out Declan the 15th through the 27th of August at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival up at Underbelly Cowgate. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.